0: So, Hello and welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us today, and welcome to the first ever podcast for women in cancer, or as we call it, WINK. My name is Maddie, and I'm currently a hematology oncology fellow. So WINK is a community of oncologists dedicated to encouraging leadership and mentorship to help women advance in their careers in oncology. Our guest today for the podcast is Dr. Christine Simmons, who is a medical oncologist at the British Columbia Cancer Agency in Vancouver and a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia. Her research interests are in the areas of health service research in breast cancer and sarcoma. She's also the founder and past chair of WINK. So thank you
1: so much for being here with us today, Dr. Simmons. Oh, Maria, thank you so much for, for inviting me. This is really important and I'm excited. Now, we know that
0: women face a multitude of challenges when it comes to juggling our training, families, maternity leaves, and whatnot, and our representation in leadership positions remains poor. So tell us what inspired you to launch Wink, and can you walk us through what led you to be here?
1: I'd love to, um, and thank you for that. Um, you know, when I reflect back on the development of this um, not for profit organization and the purpose, um, it really came from a realization that during my own uh, training, during my residency, Even going back to undergrad, I had always been encouraged to continue to um, go into science, to go into uh, an area of medicine that that I really loved and enjoyed. And I had the benefit of having access to a lot of great mentors, both male and female, um, throughout uh, my training. And I realized in working with both male and female mentors that women mentor women differently than. The way men mentor women not not rightly or wrongly it's just different and that it was really important to have both men and and uh, women mentors and then i was reflecting uh, across the country and across even you know around the world that you know i trained in toronto in, a, in an area that uh, had a lot of access to to different mentors a, a very a, wide selection. Um, but that's not the same for all of my uh, peers across the country or around the world. And you know, if if we have the technology and the capabilities of connecting virtually, um, why can't we harness that technology to to help us reach out and connect? Um, Uh, And and to seek and to find mentorship connections uh, in places that we had previously um, not appreciated them. So as I was kind of ruminating about this, I was also thinking about leadership in medicine, which is another area of of, uh, importance, um, I feel. It's something that's not taught in any medical school curriculum, but it's something that we're all mandatorily thrust into the minute we graduate, whether we want to be leaders or not. Um, And... uh, uh, You know, I was reflecting on on how leadership skills are are taught um, across the board and and the the softer skills, the more uh, hidden curriculum of of how uh, people are encouraged towards leadership positions or or not as encouraged towards leadership positions. And as I was uh, reflecting on that, I was trying to think in my head about all of these great mentors that I'd had that I mentioned before. And, you know, the realization that some of these great female mentors, yes, they had become professors in, in medicine, but at a much later stage in their career than their male counterparts. Um, and the the leadership at the organizations that I worked were largely male. So I thought, you know, if we need to be able to see ourselves in reflected in um in those who are in leadership in order to feel encouraged towards applying to those positions. It's important for us, it's even more so important for us to be able to spread the the ability to connect to those great leaders um, uh, across the board. So it really came from a a kind of cataclysmic realization that I had a unique experience. I wanted to be able to share that kind of experience with everybody. I felt everyone should have access to to mentorship no matter where they are. Geography shouldn't be a a barrier. Um, That there is a difference between the way women mentor women and men mentor women. And in order for us to um, truly continue to to move forward and live up to our, our absolute full potential, we need to be able to um be encouraged towards those leadership positions um and to gain the insights and reflections of those uh female leaders uh in medicine and especially in oncology. Was kind thank of thank you so much. Question though.
0: <laughs> it is a long question and you answered it very well. I think um definitely women and men mentor uh in a unique way and uh speaking from my experience and going through my training, I think I've had wonderful both male and female mentors, uh, but there's just a different connection. You know, girls are different. And um, there's lots of other challenges that we experience that are unique to our gender. Um, and so having access to mentors definitely is um, is the key to succeeding. So thank you for starting this initiative. and. Um, and hopefully we can uh, spread the word uh, to internationally.
1: I hope so. I hope so.
0: And any challenges that you yourself um, as a woman in currently in academic medicine or throughout your training that you've gone through that you'd like to share?
1: You know, I think it unfortunately, I don't think it takes long for any of us to reflect on our Experiences um, in life, in medicine, in our careers, and and to actually, when we really think about it, realize that, huh, yeah, that was a situation where um, I was looked over because of this, or or you know that that could have been because of uh, my gender that I was treated this way. Um, so I don't think I'm I'm alone in that. I think that um, you know I think we all have had that experience to some degree. Um, you know, I, I kind of like to try and take anything that's a negative and and turn it into a positive too, right? And that is also one of the purposes of Wink, right? Let's let's all work together and um, uh, and see what we can do to help everyone um, be better. But uh, I was recently reading uh, a speech that was written and delivered by the um, Honorable uh, Beverly McLaughlin, the former. Um, Uh, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Canada. Um, And it was a speech that she had delivered back in 2003, but it's really timely for this um, discussion and for this era as well. And it was entitled The Civilization of Difference. And, you know, the one of the take home points that I took away from from reading that speech, it was quite long, but is worth is worth the read because yeah. you can really apply a lot of the messaging that she has in there to, to current times as well.
0: I'll let but, you summarize.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> summarize, though. Um, the the speech in, in summary um, comes down to uh, the importance of differences in society. We, are, we require differences. We can't all be the same. We can't all be cookie cutter um, exactly the same or, or practice medicine exactly the same or uh, approach a mentorship or a leadership problem exactly the same. It's our differences that is our strengths as a society. Um, but it is so important for us to respect the differences that we all bring to the table and to accommodate those differences as we come to the table. And and I think that, um, you know, in medicine and in oncology, it it is important for those differences across the board, but even, you know, the binary differences between male and female to be respected um, and to be accommodated. And I think that we are in a place that those differences are respected. The accommodations um, I think have still a little bit of, of distance to go um, in, in various uh, areas.
0: Absolutely. That's a, that's a very interesting um, thought, you know, and many of us don't think like that, that we, that we are different and, and that's okay. Uh, we just need to be respected for those differences and not penalized for them mm-hmm. um, and expecting everyone to be the same is not necessarily going to help the institution or help in advancing cancer care. Um, So those are some wise words, thank you for sharing. And I think that brings me to my next point that the issues of gender disparities are gaining momentum in medicine, and we are talking about this. Um, There've been many studies, especially the recent one um, that was presented at ASCO showing that men make up about a third of trainees in oncology programs but comprise about 60% of department chairs and leadership positions. And one of the possible reasons that were mentioned explaining this gender disparity is of time constraints, that maybe it takes women longer to reach those leadership positions and that deters some of us from ever striving that to achieve that. And so what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that women face when it comes to climbing um, the leadership ladder?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And, and I've heard that statistic before that, you know, in various different ways that um, uh, yes, women do achieve uh, or can achieve the same um, level of, of professional um, advancement as, as their male counterparts, but it oh. takes us on average about seven years longer. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm never, I've never really been satisfied with that answer. (laughs) Um, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, just, just be quiet, be patient. Everything will come in the end. I've never been very, really very good at that. (laughs) Um, and I think that, um, what I've observed in, in my colleagues and in myself is that, you know, when you, it's like that age old testament, if you don't see yourself in the, in the leadership, if you don't see someone like you in that kind of position, your goals and your uh, realization of achieving that is is less. Um, you don't have that person to look to. Maybe you're discouraged from going down that pathway of of academia or you're discouraged from moving to the the administrative side of medicine because there aren't people like you there. Um, but you know it does come back to that um, that need for a culture of respected differences. Um, and I do think that. It is important for diversity to be um, like really embraced and um, mandated by the governing bodies of our institutions. Um, We will be better for it um, all around. Um, And I think that it would not take much to mandate that there is a proportion of chairs that are, Uh, that are female, a proportion of chairs that are uh, a visible minority, that there are a proportion of chairs that are uh, LGBTQ uh, identified. Um, It's these differences that enrich us and allow us to, um, to deliver better care. Cancer is a disease that occurs on a molecular and a cellular level. Every human being on planet earth is made up of a gajillion cells more than that. I'm just, you know, but lots and lots of cells and it's ultimately one of our cells that collects enough mutations to turn into a cancer that, that causes a a, a cancer to, to grow and to invade. So on the molecular level, on the cellular level, cancer is very, very much the same but the differences that each of us bring and the differences in uh, how that person with cancer experiences their disease is, um, is, is wildly different and we need to accommodate um, those differences, absolutely.
0: No, Thank you for that. And I think right now we're saying time is a barrier, but really it's poor accommodation of our differences. Um, And lack of inspirational mentors in those positions that really is uh, holding us back, I think, and uh, absolutely agree with you. Um, And another subject that comes up or has been coming up repeatedly is that um, women, as we know, are uh, paid less than their male counterparts, and that could be because we're spending too much time on our domestic and parenting responsibilities. Uh, which are being unfairly penalized. And we also have a higher rate of career-related burnout. Um, And lots of studies have been done to uh, shed light on that. And all of this is suggesting that we're facing this hidden set of challenges um, that, again, is preventing us from accommodating or being accommodated and reaching our goals. And this penalty um, is being labeled motherhood penalty. Um, What are your thoughts on this motherhood penalty and how it's uh, affecting
1: women? You know, geez, motherhood penalty. Like, can you make motherhood sound any more negative? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, So, you know, I I agree with you, uh, Maria. It's... um, uh it, it is a it kind of feels like a bit of a of a cop out to blame time and to say that it's because we're focusing on on more of our our motherhood um, uh, goals uh, than uh, than career goals but uh sorry um, you know the uh the issue of, uh, of motherhood is that, like, to me, motherhood is, I am a mom, um, and it's fantastic, right? I, I love being a mom. But I think that where we may f- fall into a bit of a, a self-fulfilling trap is in trying to do it all and trying to say, I... I want to work at this pace and I want to be this super mom and I'm going to be the wonderful wife and I'll make dinner for my family every night and I'll do all of this because that's what my mom did as well. Um, But that's a trap that I think we um, are at risk always of falling into and that definitely will uh, lead to a higher rate of burnout because when you try to give 100% to your family and you try to give 100% to your job, the math just doesn't work. Right. So reframing and uh, realizing that there's a level of of satisfaction, there's a level of uh, good enough that I need to allow myself to be happy with. Um, I am a human being. Um, We are all human beings. Moms should not be uh, feeling that they're penalized for needing to take uh, an extra half hour to go and pick up their kids or drop their kids off at daycare in the morning or need to, to leave early to, to go and pick up their kids. You know what? She's not leaving early to go and skive off. She's picking up her kids, and then you know that she's going to be getting on her computer as soon as those kids are in bed, right. picking up for that work that she didn't manage to finish earlier in the day. Um, so having that, um, uh, that ability to, um, uh, to not penalize self And to also um, not feel uh, penalized, but feel respected and accommodated. And I think that that moms are respected. And I think that people do want to accommodate moms. Um, But I think that sometimes, even myself, I can think of times when I've tried to hide the fact, or not hide it, but have not advertised the fact that I'm a mom because I want to still Do it all and and be there with everything, Um, and uh, yeah, there's only so much uh, there's only so much water in the bucket, and when it's empty, it's empty.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think the theme um, that I'm hearing in every uh, dialogue here is accommodation, and I think uh, if institutions are willing to accommodate all the different hats that we wear, um, maybe maybe that's the way of the future, and that's what's going to help us achieve um our goals in more leadership positions Uh, but we still have a long way to go and that's why having these discussions is very important because we're all going through it but we just don't know it because we don't talk enough about it um and uh we wear too many hats we try to do it all and then we burn out and crash yeah and um there's not many of us that we can look up to who've done it well yeah so Thank you so much, Dr. Simmons, for being here with us. And uh, really, the the goal of WINK is to open up the dialogues and encourage women to pursue those leadership positions, to continue to network and discuss our challenges with each other and find supportive mentors and continue to speak up against the injustices we face in our workplace and to promote gender equality. And with that, thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we'll see you next time at our NET Potstep.
1: Thank you.